Hey folks, I'm Kathy Parker with Beyond the Ball Field. This is not your typical sports show. We won't be talking X's and O's, but we will be talking about raising your family in the sports-crazed world. Let's not only survive sports, but let's learn to thrive on and off the field. So please, join us as we look at life beyond the ball field. Thank you for joining us today on Beyond the Ball Field. We are going to have a conversation with Coach Jutt, Justin Smith. He's an amazing man, an accomplished three-time gold medalist, and has done so much more. And his outreach to the community and youth, he's making an impact every day. It is my pleasure to introduce you to Coach Jutt. Good morning. Good morning, Justin. How are you? I'm doing well, thank you. All right. I'm excited to be talking with you today. And there's a lot of things that you are uh, beginning and and started because of the experiences that you've had that I would love to talk to you about. And the first one is progress in the kitchen. Tell me how you came up with that and why. Mm, progress in the kitchen. I use the acronym P-I-T-K for short. Um, this is something that I, I I wanted to actually talk about or perhaps have a podcast when I was younger, um, you know, in, in, in high school, um, progress in the kitchen. I, I grew up um, not really having family dinners, family supper, um, but I was around some families who, who would have family supper. And... Um, there was a difference that I seen in not only the family, but the conversations that were had when, when you had supper, you know, um, these discussions, you know, sometimes could be a heavy discussion, um, about life in general. Um, you learn more about each other, you know, whether it's your mom, dad, sister, brother, um, you would have these conversations around mealtime. And, and I've always wanted to have that, you know, um, growing up and I wanted to have that in my family. And so as, um, you know, getting older and maturing and, and going through the military and that sort of thing, I, I kind of sensed that, uh, more and more families were getting away from that. We're, we're not having those conversations, um, the good conversations to, to, to have within the family, um, you know, I mean, we're all driving around, going to many places, eating fast food and, um, you know, and really not sitting down as a family and gathering at mealtime for supper. And I felt as though families, um, it seemed to me that families were, were more prone to, to break apart, you know, more divorces, um, children not bonding, getting to know their parents. And I think um, eating at the table and, and having those meal times together as a family was um, was good for the family to bond and to be able to um, share thoughts and and, uh, and and get to know each other a lot more. Um, Okay, so you said that um, you had experienced other families that did do that when you were 
um, younger. So sure. what was it in your family? Did, did your parents work or what was the dynamic that sort of um, made that not something that you were accustomed to? Well, um, first of all, I, I, I lost my dad at a young age. I was nearly, I think, um, seven years old. Um, my, my father was shot and killed. So, um, I didn't get to experience that with my biological mom and and dad. Um, and even then, I mean, we just, that was just something that we didn't do. You know, we never sat down as a family, even with my mom at the, at the dinner table. Um, she was working a lot of the time. Sometimes she would have two to three jobs and, uh, you know, and I was, as I got older in, in middle school, um, junior high and high school, you know, I was in sports a lot. So I was going to games and, and I was at practice and I would just come home and eat, eat alone. So never really got to experience that. So, so the, I mean, um, the, with my husband being a coach, um, we, that's one of the things that I was able to see it from the opposite, uh, point of view in that we would have, We'd have athletes that were teammates of our kids and they would come over and eat with us. And many of them are describing exactly the lifestyle um, that you came from. Um, Just, you know, parents working or divorced or separated or, you know, just things not not um, conducive, you know, for the family unit to sit down. And so they loved just coming over and, and it made such a difference. Um, and you know, to do, to have like a routine, you know, where, you know, I'd, I'd make the meal, uh, we'd stand in the kitchen and hold hands and pray. And then, you know, I mean, we, it was nothing formal. I mean, you know, I used paper plates and that kind of thing, (laughs) but, um, it took me a long time to figure out what I could cook that would, you know, go far enough to feed everybody, you know, that kind of thing. But once I got it down, it was the highlight. It was the highlight of what we could do as a family. And I, I've done, um, I've done some testimonies of that, um, about people who do have that and do have kids that are playing ball, invite, invite those that don't have that to come home with you to eat with, with your family. And what a difference And here, your testimony is it made a difference. You saw that and you wanted it. Right. Because I did experience that side of it too. Um, you know, some of my friends that, that were, you know, um, my classmates, I would, I would visit with them. I was invited over for, for those type of dinners. And, and I met a few of those families who had those moms who would, um, you know, cook for me and, and, um, and, and be invitational that way. And I, and I, and that's how I saw the other side of it. Okay. You said be invitational and I love that word. And my husband says intentional, you know, you have to be intentional and it sounds like that's what you're doing now you with uh, progress in the kitchen. So in your mind, what does that look like? What is progress in the kitchen? Like if you tomorrow, if we, if we uh, said, okay, we're going to, we're going to bring a camera and we're going to, we're going to get this and share this with, (laughs) with, with the community, what would that look like? Is to facilitate a conversation with, with mainly the the parent and and their and their child, with the family, you know, 
um, it's just to facilitate the conversations that they may have never had. You know, not only that, you know, it 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 goes. It's, there's three different deals with this, right? You know, um, spiritually, physically, um, you know, mentally, you know, emotionally. Um, you know, what are you eating? What are you putting in your body? You know, when you get together, what what what, it, what does that look like? You know, what are the what are the conversations that you're having to get better? How are you progressing as a as a family as a whole to um, to be an example and to you know set forth in the in the community to make to make the country a better place? I love it. I love it. Well, I I grew up with a great example because my mom loved to feed people and uh, my mom and dad both they loved to entertain they loved to feed people and and they would invite there was a military base that was real close to um, where I grew up and they would invite people that were new to the area and what life-changing that was for people to be invited to come to someone's home and to have a meal. You just, you know what that does. I've lived all over the country and, um, and I know how it felt, you know, when you're new in town or you just, you know, don't really know a lot of people to get an invite to someone's home. Uh, those are the people I'm still, you know, my husband and I've been married for almost 38 years now. And and we have, and we have, uh, have friends all over, all over because awesome. you know that would happen with us or we would reciprocate and and have others over and and it is just a way to build those relationships but right. also that family that family unit and sharing what you have what there I can't think of a better opportunity to share uh what what you have than to invite people over mm-hmm. and to to have you know conversations like you're saying you know conversations Every- yeah, everyone has that. It's it's it all meets in the middle. I mean, er- everybody has that hunger, right? And when we do sit down and meet and get together um, in those settings, right? I mean, we eat and we we become full, but we also become full when we have those conversations and we have those people around us. You know, how do you fill your cup? How do you how do you fill your spirit? How do how do you this is a, a better way and a, and a and an awesome way to fill your cup to be able to give to somebody else. I love it. Love it. Well, you have a personal invite to my home to help me in the kitchen and uh, and to eat <laughs> with, with with me and my husband and and I'll get my um, some of my kids over that uh, they always like a free meal, you know, Justin. <laughs> They'd be game for that. Right. And now I know all the meals aren't, you know, um, protein shakes and vegetables because I mean, I mean, hey, I live in the South, you know, I mean, do I need to say more, (laughs) you know? (laughs) So that's all good. Okay. So you are such a product of your experiences and um, I've had a chance to talk with you a few times and to to read uh, your bio and just okay three gold medals and what an accomplished athlete military service can you sort of give us a background of of how sports played out in who you are today sure um 
you know, growing up where I'm from, deep east Texas, you know, you know, small country town, um, close to Louisiana, you know, we, um, you know, back then we, we grew up being imaginative, um, creative and competitive, you know, um, we would run and race up and down streets barefooted, you know, um, you know, play kickball and, and baseball with, with, uh, soda pop cans and, you know, milk jugs as the bases. Mm-hmm. Um, we just, we would watch sports and be in awe of the amazing things that a lot of the professional athletes could do. And we just try to emulate all of them, everything, you know, I, I played, baseball peewee baseball um i played just about every sport and just growing up competitive with a lot of my my cousins you know um and then playing in 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 school you know school ball so to speak um i just had that drive to be competitive and and be the best that i can be now let me ask you let me let me interrupt uh you and ask you a question because it sounds to me, just from what I know about your background, that you didn't have the best training. You didn't have uh, okay. uh, the best facilities to go to and the best coaches to um, yeah. to yeah. <laughs> um, work with you and that kind of thing. You sort of had to had to do a lot of it on your own, correct? Ooh, yes, ma'am. A lot of it on my own. A lot of it on my own. Um, and granted, I mean, we had, um, there was a lot of talent around me, um, growing up, you know, um, my cousins and a lot of my friends and, and that sort of thing. But, um, I was never going to be outworked. I was never going to be, um, I was going to be the hardest worker in the room. I've always have, have been. And the only thing I believe, um, that would keep me from progressing um, is my self-confidence, um, in certain situations, but growing up and getting into sports, I always wanted to just make myself better, um, and compete at a high level. And that's always been a dream of mine to be a professional athlete actually. And, um, but soon after high school, I joined the military and, um, you know, and, to make sure my family is taken care of and, um, and that I can get an education. And, um, soon after, um, getting out of the military, I just, um, I wanted to pursue, um, a lifelong dream, you know, my, my, uh, bucket list goals, so to speak. And, and one of them was to, to run track. And so just to compete for a gold medal, it wasn't necessarily to go to the Olympics, but that that's been, that's become a dream. You know, I just wanted to win a gold medal because I was so used to winning them in high school. And so, um, wow. Okay. So I got to ask you another, I got to, I got to stop you again and ask you this question. Okay. So Mm -hmm. you were obviously a very accomplished athlete in high school and probably had a lot of opportunity to go on to the next level to play college Um, to run track in college, you probably could have gotten a scholarship at the level that you were competing at. But you made a choice that is very unselfish and very difficult 
mm-hmm. uh, a very difficult choice to go into the military. To, yes, and no. You said to take care of your family. Can you just explain that a little bit more? Oh, wow. Well, um, right before I joined, um, I was about to have my my first child, my son, and I just wanted to make sure that he was, you know, taken care of and in what way could I do that um, at a faster pace, you know, to make sure that I can get education and to make sure that he'll be good to go and, um, you know, the decision to go into the military was was kind of already in the in the um in the forefront you know my mom would say you know maybe you should join the military you know because i couldn't pick a school to go to or you know um or find a college to to get into or get a scholarship to go to a certain college and um you know and so that came back to mind you know military well what if i joined the military what would that look like and um, yeah, so when I was thinking about making sure I get a steady paycheck and insurance and all that kind of stuff, um, when it came to my son, and that's what I did. And I actually jumped in head first <laughs> because I jumped in during wartime. I had no clue. I didn't, I mean, I was young and didn't think twice about it. I just did it. So, um, and then I ended up serving OEF and OIF and, uh, Operation Enduring Freedom, Operation Iraqi Freedom. And um, so here I am. Okay. So there had to be many times that you thought, I I could be a normal college student, but here I am. Yep. 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 And and now I, I, and I go back and I think about that from time to time. It was like, well, I could join the military and play ball. But, and I also could have ran track overseas, but it was just, you know, like I said, I jumped in head first and um, I had no one there to guide me or um, or to just kind of step in. You know, I didn't have the mindset of, of thinking of those things. I just wanted to make sure um, that I was able to do something for my son and, 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 and come out of it okay. Well, um, I'm very thankful. Uh, for just want to say thank you for ser- serving, you know, your country so unselfishly, and I'm thankful that you were able to go through all that, and then come out and pursue a dream. So I mean, most people don't get to do that, or don't. Well, I say get. Most people don't have what it takes to pursue that. So right. I mean, so unfold that a little bit for us. Um. You know, um, I've actually, so I've always, I've, I've been competitive my, my entire life. I just, I just love, love sports. I mean, sometimes I would sit outside and, uh, and shoot basketball till two, three in the morning, you know, trying to make 50 to 75 shots in a row in each spot, you know, and then go to sleep. But um, I also would play flag football would get in the city league and play flag football to try to keep my mind clear when I would come back from deployment or any type of military training when I come back home um and so I ended up winning a few championships in you know small league like football and um I just remember this one guy he 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 would say he would just tell me how fast I looked 
when I would go run down a guy and, and, and catch his flag, you know, and um, he's like, man, you should run. You you are really, really fast. Do, do you run track? Did you run track? And that sort of thing. And, and I had already been thinking about it. I talked to um, one of my cousins who's, who's like a brother to me and said I, I wanted to try to run um, run track and, and maybe um, go to the Olympics. And ever since I heard that guy in the back of my head said, well, I am still kind of fast, so I, I, I might give it a shot. And so from that point on, I just, you know, actually just started training myself um, and then um, ran into a couple of guys who, who coached uh, college athletes and, and grabbed a co- couple of coaches and uh, took some pieces from them. And um, they've been guiding me here and there, um, just kind of giving me pointers and, and that sort of thing uh, from time to time. But um, I've just been learning by experience and doing a lot, a lot of reading, a lot of experimental and uh, just training day in and day out to to try to reach that goal. Okay, so you said doing a lot of reading and research. Is that like on the diet and on the different lifestyle that you... and different types of runs. So um, there's a race that I'm training for and and I've studied like the top the top athletes in, in that race and, um, and just looking at them and looking how they run. Now, for the most part, I don't really like to dive in too deep on those people because I want to have a sense of how I do it. Uh-huh. I just see how they completed it and, and what they did to prepare. But at the same time, I want to do it my way. Okay. What, 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 what did they miss or what is it different than, that I can do to even be better or to be faster and to be stronger. Okay. And so I kind of go against the grain on that. Like I'll, I'll pick things to do that they didn't do. That would be tougher. That would be harder. That would be, um, more, um, you would have to have a stronger mindset to do. Um, so, um, yeah, so that's where I'm at right now. Just reading a lot and studying different run patterns as in the workouts, um, to see what will, what will build me up that will make me better. So, okay. So are you still doing that now? Yes, ma'am. I am. Okay. So (laughs) are you, what is, so tell me, what is your goal? What is your goal? The goal is to make the make, to to make the Olympic trials for 2021, um, a hundred meter, a hundred meter run. Okay. Well, considering your past, if I was a betting person, I'd bet on you because you've overcome some extreme obstacles. And then as looking, looking at your bio too, um, a illness that could have taken you out totally that most don't come back from. Um, and, and I think your gold medals were even after that, right? Right. Yep. All right. Tell, uh, tell a little bit about that. Yeah. So, um, 2016 was, that's when I actually, right before that, a couple of years before the 2016 Olympics, that's when I actually decided to train for the Olympics. And, um, during that time, you know, um, I ended up, um, having small intestine obstruction, um, which is, was a freak accident. Um, it usually happens to people that are that are overweight, that are that are obese. Actually, um, people with um, that come 
with Crohn disease and, and those type of things um, where they have a passage blocked or something like that. And the thing with me, um, we don't, you know, the doctors, we, we don't know exactly why it happened or, or what happened, um, so to speak, but my intestines shut down. So my organs start to shut down because for one, they think that I didn't have enough water. I wasn't hydrated enough and I overtrained. And so, um, so, but there was still something lodged in my intestines and it was only two Granny Smith apples that I ate within a 48 hour, um, time span. So it wasn't like, you know, I overate or, or had something bad in my system. Um, it's just that my system started to shut down. And so I had to have an emergency surgery, you know, um, the doctor said, you know, or would have came in any later, you know, I could have died right there on the spot. And so, um, I don't remember much when I went in, but, um, uh, my best friend and neighbor, um, then, um, had, had took me, rushed me to the doctor. They tried to give me medicine, tried to give me pills. I don't take medicine. And so they tried to take me home, but I knew something else was wrong with my body because I know what I put into my body. But, um, I ended up having to have emergency surgery. I was in there seven days and seven nights. And, um, but, and I was on bed rest for a while and just worked my way back up. Okay. And, uh, so when that happened, um, you'd been training, you were training for, uh, um, uh, what process were you in? What were you, were you training for a particular race or for yes, qualifiers? I training, yes. I was actually training for two, two races, the 100 meter and the 400 meter race, which are two totally different races. Um, um, during that time for 2016, Okay. All right. So here you are. And you talk about sidelined. I mean, you were sidelined. Um, What was your, were you angry? Were you, this is not fair? Because like you said, you, you, you didn't mistreat your body. You researched, you did everything you were supposed to do. And here this happens to you. What was your, what was your take? Um, I was super upset with God. (laughs) And there it is, little old me. It was like, how can I be mad at God? But I was, I was very upset, mm-hmm. you know. So the third day I was in there, I was, I was so upset, you know. I was, I was being rude. I was being mean to the nurses. I was like, they kept coming in, taking shots and taking blood samples. I was like, leave me alone. I'm yelling. And so, um, I had a friend who was there also to help you know, um, help with visitation and, and, and other things back home while I was in the hospital. And I told him I didn't want any more visitors. And on that third day, I was just, I just yelled at God and I was so upset. I was so mad. And it was like, I was, I'd been working so hard and, you know, and it was just like, I got still for a minute and he just wanted me to sit down for a minute and to acknowledge him and to, and to, know that he's there for me and that um it's to glorify him and it was to remind me of that and how far i did come and what what i've been through and that i can make it through this too and so having that was that a huge turning point for you i mean yes yes it was it was um it was it was one of those things where it was you know um just thinking about all the things that i've been through and him using me as a vessel, you know, using me as an example. 
And I just took it as that. I just took it as one of those things um, that I'm strong enough to get through and bounce back and, and be even stronger because of the strength that he has given me. And how did things change on a daily basis for you using your sport and the gifting that you had after after that moment? How did things change? Well, they changed just drastically um, because going through that, I came back stronger and I was able to share my story with, um, you know, my kids seeing me go through that, um, you know, um, even my son praying for me which is remarkable. That's a whole nother story by itself. Um, me being an example for others that see me in the gym um, and seeing me on the track. Um, you know, a lot of people will come up to me and, and they, I mean, I'm just, I'm just doing my routine, you know, and a lot of people will come up to me and, and they say they see it. They see the work that I'm doing. They see the effort that I'm putting into it. And they say they see the, the, you know, the spirit, so to speak, um, on me and, 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 and around me. And it's just, um, and, and they ask those questions just like you ask. And I share the story and it's just a wonderful feedback to inspire, um, those people who ask those questions and, and want to know and, and can sense the feeling of of me um, doing what I do and to glorify Jesus at the end of the day. Wow. We'd, our life is not for us, is it? Isn't it for others? And, and you so embody that for, from what you're saying and what you do. Now, you work with other people. So you train and mentor. And then yeah. you have some other uh, things that I want you to talk about with the um, program, the philanthropic program that you're talking about for veterans. Can you tell us a little bit about the things that you, this show, Beyond the Ball Field, I love talking about the things that, that we can do because of our platform. You have such right. a platform for what you've accomplished and what you've done. Um, tell well, a little bit about some of those things that are close to your heart. Just a little bit. You know, there's an organization called Beyond Words and um, Human Dog Bond 7. Um, which is just starting. Uh, we're building a facility for um, uh, veterans. We're having these dogs, a uh, facility for dogs to raise them and breed them to help um, soldiers with PTSD. You know, uh, 22 commit suicide a day. Um, you know, um, that's that's very close to me because that's something that I also struggle with. And, and I don't share with too many people, but now you know. Um, um, and, and, and is there that, data that backs up having the dogs? Um, yes. Okay. And yes, yes. We can go deeper into that where um, the dogs actually, I mean, it's pretty much, you know, a dog saving a life. You know, that 22 can go down to 21, 20, 19, 18. Um, these dogs are, are very, very professionally um, trained and, and, and bred up to help um, the soldier, uh, you know, really get back into, you know, life and be there for them emotionally and, and be able to um, do a whole lot of things that I can't even explain, but the doctors can. Um, but 
have that support with these dogs um, is have been um, proven to be one of the best way, if not the best way to um, help provide for, for, for soldiers that have PTSD. And so if, if our audience wanted to uh, find out more about that and maybe even donate or become a part of that program, is there a website or something like that? Uh, yes, ma'am. So what you want to do is the company is called um, Beyond Words Fundraising. You can go to beyondwordsfundraising.org or you can go to www.hdb7.dog. So that's hdb7.dog. Okay. All right. And you can read all about it there and make donations. And I'm actually a fundraiser and, and all the, all the contribution goes straight to um, those soldiers and the facility um, that we're, that we're building for those. So, so Justin, what do you do in your free time? Free time. <laughs> you don't have free, any free time. Free, <laughs> let me tell you what free time is. Free time is being able to to pour into um, my kiddos. Oh, and and I have to hear about I have to hear about your two. So so tell us about them. Oh wow, yeah, that's that's my free time. My free time is pouring into my kiddos and their friends. Mm. You know, um, their friends. um, I've I've coached them in Pee Wee and 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 as they grow. Um, I'm heavily, heavily involved in their sports. Um, I try not to miss a practice. I'm at just about every game, whether it's my daughter cheerleading and playing volleyball, my son playing um, football and, and, and running track himself. Um, I'm highly involved. We usually, my daughter and her friends would come over um, and they would also stay the night and, you know, cook them breakfast and, and, take them to their to their games and that sort of thing so um that's my free time is giving to them and and mentoring um other trainers and, and students in the field of um in the field of being athletic and, and and training so and i bet you do a lot of progress in the kitchen with your own kiddos don't you oh yes ma'am i do <laughs> Yeah, I love that. Yeah, we we sit down and we actually have conversations. You know, family friends of mine, um, of ours, should I say, um, you know, ask questions about their kids. You know, what to do in this situation. You know, why doesn't my my kid do this or say that? You know, um, you know, and I and I go back to the basics. I go to the drawing board and I tell them, I was like, me and my kids, we we have those conversations. We talk about it first. I ask them because some of those things that come up, if I don't ask them, like they won't say anything. Right. If I don't, I don't. If I don't bring it up, or if there's something on my mind or something on my heart, like if I don't, if I don't ask that question, like they won't even speak about it. I will never hear about it because sometimes I would ask something, it it would relate to something that they may have done or experienced at school. That was months ago, weeks ago, a year ago that I never knew about and that it 
it's sometimes those things that we should know about and have a discussion about. So I, I try to, um, I experience things and I see things from the outside from other families. And, and if it's something I felt led to talk about, I ask them about it. I ask my kids about it. What were you, what, how do you feel about this situation? Or just simply, how was your day at school? What happened at school? You know, what did you learn from this? Or what did you learn from that? How did your teachers feel about it? You know, I can go on and on and on. I always, you know, almost all the time bring up those type of conversations with my kiddos, whether we're driving um, to their practice or whether we're coming from the practice. But when we sit down to eat, you know, we, we say our word of prayer and then, you know, I start bombarding them with questions. I start asking them, hey, what's going on? How, how are you feeling today? You know, what, what's going on? What's in your mind? What's what's how are you feeling? You know, that's I don't think we have enough of that. I think sometimes we do ask, but we don't really, you know, sometimes the kids say, oh, it was a good day. But we don't ask particular questions. We're not intentional with it. You know, we're not intentional in wanting to know um, what's really going on with them or how their day really was. You know, it may have been good, but there could be some things in between that, you know, they're not spilling out, you know. So. Well, you are making a tremendous difference with your with your own children and with all those that interact with you and your family. Oh, my goodness. What you have done beyond the ball field. And I got a feeling that we're going to hear more about you. So I'm going to tell people um, <laughs> it's, this is Coach Justin Smith, J-U-S-T-E-N <laughs> Smith from yeah. uh, the Dallas-Fort Worth, Texas area. And they call you Coach Jutt, J-U-T, Coach Jutt. Yeah. That's my nickname. All right. But I got a feeling we're going to be hearing more about Coach Coach Jutt coming up soon. And, and uh, yeah. you've got some exciting things, and you're making such a difference. Thank you for joining us today on Beyond the Ball Field. And thank you for sharing with us your experiences and your diversity in so many different fields of life and what you've learned from your experiences. I just so appreciate it. Right, right. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. There's so much more. <laughs> All right, buddy. Well, we'll be following up because uh, that invitation to to come and, and and eat with my family and for us to to do some progress in the kitchen, we will do it here in I South Georgia. <laughs> All right, buddy. You have a good day. Thank you. Thank you for joining us today on Beyond the Ball Field with Kathy B. Parker. And if you want more information about what we do, go to my website at kathybparker.com. You can order my book, Northern Lights, and find out about our next adventures. So thank you for joining us today.